Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Get a gun. Merry Christmas! <laughs> and welcome to episode 136 of Slamfire Radio for December 18th, 2015. That's, I'm like, one of your... set, that's like eight days away from Christmas still. Still the Christmas episode. Okay. I'm Merry Christmas. Your, I'm one of your jolly hosts, Trevor the Filate. I'm Matthew the McElf. Yes. No, you're Mick Christmas. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mick Christmas. You do you're have Mick Christmas down there. Yeah. And uh, I'm Frosty Adriel Michaud. I there guess you Frosty go. Frosty still works here. Yeah. Frosty, Frosty still works in this application. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah, this is our Christmas episode, so uh, buckle down. It's a long one. It's going to be as sad as a Charlie Brown special. Yeah, it kind of is, actually. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, Matthew, why don't you start the uh, festivities off and... Tell us what you did this week in guns, or am I to understand from your show notes that you had another typical week? Because if you did, we're changing your name to Mike Dixon. Not yet. Not yet. I get one more week. All right. One more week. Did you do anything? I bought skis for the airplane, and I'm in the process of installing them. So I've been very busy with uh, being at the airport and and things like that. So I did not get a chance to shoot, but I promise by next episode, I will have done gun-related things. I thought you were going to build the skis. I... I am. I bought and am building. It was a set that didn't wasn't quite right, but it had all the parts I needed, and so they've been completely disassembled, and now they're being rebuilt to fit my application. There you go. You, know, so. you could probably get like an old Mosin crate and, uh, and use that oh. for skis for your uh, job. <laughs> and then I can mount the Mosins onto the wing struts, and I can use them to <laughs> shoot down other things. <laughs> it didn't help that I saw that post when I was three sheets to the wind. It really didn't. <laughs> So for the listeners who don't know, I posted a thread that somebody, I copied and pasted. I took a screenshot of a guy wanting to buy or wanting to sell Mosin crates, crates that Mosin and Gantz came in. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> Whether that versatile. Uh-huh. Makes for a unique coffee table. Yeah, that's it. Or a really crappy set of airplane skis, because let me tell you, they probably just would not work. All right. Trevor? Yes. Take us, take us out of this hole that we've dug ourselves into. I shot me some bunnies. Yes, I saw pictures. That was amazing. That was amazing. So we went out, Muffin and I, and Muffin's uh, stepson, William, uh, rabbit hunting last Saturday and just basically went on his father's property right across the street from where he lives in, in Charlotte. And um, there's a bunch of camps back there and stuff. A real nice spot and very quiet because it's private land. And so there wasn't a lot of traffic back there. And uh, he was telling me that he had seen lots the week before, blah, blah, blah. We go out, get out of the vehicles, load up our, our rifles. And 30 seconds later, I shot the first rabbit. And after an hour, we had seven and went, well, that's enough. Let's go home. <laughs> Jeez, that's a, that's a good run. It, well, I mean, we at the time still had not a flake of snow to be found. So anything white on the ground was either a piece of, piece of birch bark or a rabbit. I love and, it. 
Yeah, and it was amazing. And Jason did really good. Like, I shot at one and I missed. Nope, he was not going to let that slide. He chased that bugger into the woods, and you could hear me yelling, hey, hey. And every time he'd yell, the rabbit would stop. And he shot four times before he got it, but he finally got it. <laughs> he was. Uh, he did that twice where he just, uh... <laughs> and then at one time, William and I are waiting there, and he walks up, and he's like, what? This rabbit's not good enough for you guys? He turns and he shoots one that was standing right next to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was awesome. He ran a, a 10.22, and William and I each ran a, a 17 HMR. I, all I wanted to do all day was snipe one in the head. I told this to Matthew, like, Matthew, I'm going hunting, and I just want to shoot one in the head with a 17 HMR. That's all I want to do. And William was the one who scored the best headshot of the of the day between 30 and 40 yards uh, offhand, he popped this thing in the head, and the head just exploded. <laughs> I can't believe it. the pictures are posted on our Facebook page. If you don't mind graphic exploded heads, go have a look. Unbelievable the damage that this that this little seventeen HMR bullet. Yeah, can. for for a rimfire, it packs a punch. The advertised speed, which we know is on never actually what it's actually 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 going to do out of, oh, I think I just pooped myself, <laughs> what it's actually going to do out of your rifle, uh, the advertised speed is 2,250 feet per second, and we know that's not happening, but... Even if it's doing 2,000, that's crazy. Yeah, it really is, and yeah. that little bullet's this little ballistic tip, and it's yep. just mushrooms like mad, and amazing. So anyway, we had a great day, we got seven rabbits, and he gave them all to me. He's like, dude, my freezer is full, take them all. And nice. he gave me uh, a couple of, uh, well, not only did he give them to me, uh, and William and I cleaned them. Then he vacuum sealed them for us and gave me some grouse to go with it. So I've got a heck of a meat pie and stew coming up here shortly. Very nice. So, yeah. And then Sunday I hit the gun range, sighted in uh, that twenty two fifty that I mounted a scope on the week before. I took out my FN with the Dave Savigny sights. Remember, I eyeballed this thing, and it was barely, barely just hitting to the left. Like. Mm-hmm like a half an inch to the left. I was so impressed with how accurate I got it just by eyeballing. So I've got a, and I did have my, my hammer and my punch with me and I did give it a little tap, but I'm on a nine mil. This is awful. I used up all my nine mil on the pistol challenge for the, uh, squirrels project. (laughs) Squirrels project. Yeah. So I got to roll up some nine mil quick. And then I installed a, um, large grip frame on my P320, so shout out to Brian Bolivar for picking that up at Elwood Epps. Elwood Epps and putting that in the mail for me, so I love the way it fits, but uh, it doesn't matter because I'm getting rid of it. <laughs> of course you are. Of course I am. I made a deal tonight with um, Ryan. To Ryan's one of the directors for the uh, Canadian uh, Coalition for Firearms Rights, Ryan Adams. Most of our, Some of our listeners may be friends with him on Facebook. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Not to be confused with Brian Adams. Right. No, they don't sound or spell their names anything the same. Um, well, I suppose Ryan. Anyway, um, <laughs> he he acquired an M305, uh, barely used. Like, <laughs> remember the listener last week was like, are people exaggerating their numbers? Well, anyway, this thing has 80 rounds through it, and um, he ended up with it an M305. So we made a deal. He's going to give me the M305 and some cash for my P320. I've got... We, you know, I've got like nine handguns, so I can spare to get rid of one. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you I don't know. have any M305s. Exactly. And you've got a bunch of Lupua brass in 308 that would run perfect through that thing. 
yeah, no, that's going to be. That's that's all primed, by the way. I did that this week as well. I primed all that Lapua brass. The primer pockets are extremely tight. Um, so, so anyway, I'm going to get an M305, and Filthy has got a friend in Fredericton who uh, was described, you know, the, the M14 doctor mm-hmm. said that if I'm a doctor, then this guy's the surgeon general. I do printing. This guy does calligraphy. Uh, I've been to his house. I can't remember the gentleman's name. He's way up there. Like he's in his seventies. He's a gunsmith, and he does his specialty is the M three hundred five or the M fourteen. He believes that the Norinco steel is actually better than the Springfield steel. He completely removes all the tooling marks. He removes the Norinco off of the side of the receiver. He'll put in a dummy selector for you. He's rebarreled M three hundred five. You saw one of the ones he rebarreled yes. at that gun shop. He rebarrels yeah. the twenty two two fifty. Yep. So you're running around with M three hundred five that is suddenly in New Brunswick legal for hunting varmints all year round. Yep. So I wonder how accurate it is. That'd be really interesting to find out. It would be. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what, I don't what are you think do for a scope. Um, well, I think eventually it's, I'm on the fence. To be perfectly honest, part of me wants to drop it in a wooden stock and make it look kind of milserp and to go along and complement my Garand. And the other part of me wants to drop it in a Troy chassis and make it kind of a bench rest semi-auto kind of. Well, you know what the solution is here? Both. That's right. Always both, yeah. You need to get another one. Yeah, so all in good time. Um, but yeah, it's a big job to get these, to get him to work on, on your M305. It's almost like a thousand bucks by the time he's done, but everything is accurized and shimmed and polished. And it's not just, he doesn't just shim the gas system and replace the op rod. It's a, it's a full restore essentially. And that's the only way I know how to do it. So that's what I'm going to do. And then also on Sunday, actually, uh, I forgot to mention this. I took out an old archery buddy, somebody I taught to shoot archery. Um, he got into, well, he's, he's had a handgun for a while, but it, uh, he decided to pick up a semi-auto and wanted somebody to show him how to use it. So I took him to the range, and he's got a CZ-85, which is the ambidextrous version of the CZ-75. And so because he was left-handed, I did everything with my left hand, including firing the gun with my left hand. And apparently, uh, yeah, I shot a pretty much a 10-bullet, 10, 10 one whole group at seven yards with my left hand. Good. Um, yeah. Trying to show him how to do it. So, uh, did, did okay, but, um, a lot of, uh, trigger slap and anticipation. Even yeah. when, even when we did the exemplar drill where he held the gun and I pulled the trigger, he still had some, it, it was better, but it still wasn't as good. Just as needs more, he just needs more trigger time. Just yeah. needs to yeah. make that gun go bang a whole lot more. So he gets used to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I did some reloading this week. I loaded uh, both uh, number six and number four shot shell. I really need to stop in case these loads are like no good or don't feed. The crimp is looking (laughs) good. I just love loading on that thing. So I got like almost a hundred shells reloaded that I need to get out and and test. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to test them in my pump guns first in case there's some kind of catastrophic malfunction. Yeah. Like here, uh, Johnny Range Rat, you want to fire yeah, my here, yes. yeah. <laughs> Tell more. me how this works. <laughs> it's more with my 44, and then I loaded up some 308. I had some uh, Sierra Pro Hunter projectiles that Muffin gave me to try, so I could not wait. I had to load something up with that Lupua brass, so uh, I just loaded them up at f- just like a half a grain under max charge. And um, maybe I'll get out and shoot those next week. And then on the prepping front, the wife and I bought a 10,000-watt generator. Cool. And, and next week, we're going to have a couple of uh, electricians come in to give us a quote on wiring this to our panel. 
So we also uh, started to get some gas cans. And um, if you go back and listen to some of Owen's old podcasts, when he talked about storing gas and how to rotate your gas and num- numbering your gas cans and all that stuff. So I bought some gas line, some fuel stabilizer and uh, adding that to the gas and numbering the cans. And then this summer I'll start to, you know, I'll, I'll take one, one of the cans, dump it in the car and then go refill it and start the cycle. Yep. Over. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys, you guys get uh, some pretty wicked snowfalls out there and, and freezing rain and that kind of thing. So it's not, you know, it's not unheard of to, uh, to lose power for a long period of time. So it wasn't I mean, for years in the seventies. We didn't have a power outage that lasted like more than five hours. We had a lot of industry in this area and MB power was on top of their game and kept those, you know, we had a, a chemical plant and we had a, we had a coal fire thermal plant that was an MB power property and we had a, a paper mill. Power didn't go down around here. And if it went down, it was fixed quick. But those days are gone. The infrastructure is old. It hasn't really been, there's been no new construction as far as infrastructure for MB power since the seventies. And when things go down and they go down all the time, we've had two storms so far, Adriel, and we've had two power outages on, we got nailed really, really hard here on Tuesday. Like in some places there was over 40 centimeters of snow, 11,000 people out of power. Every, and the storm before that wasn't even half that much and people were out of power. So it's like not uncommon now. We have a storm, somebody's losing their power, 11,000 customers. So you just can't, uh, can't, can't rely on them to get it up as quickly as they used to. That's phrasing. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, MB power is getting old. So that's just, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> and on Wednesday, last night, I shot some archery. Um, and, uh, yeah. That's all I have to say about that. How about you, Adriel? <laughs> what did I do in archery this week? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I didn't do any archery. Um, so we had uh, uh, three-gun practice on Sunday, and it was primarily focused around shotguns. So um, I, I had been having some failure-to-feed issues with my 870, so I went and I got a, a new ejector, ejector spring, and shell carrier from Western Gun Parts. Like real handy, they're in. They're on the west side of Edmonton here, and so am I. So I can just drive down there and grab them. And uh, I installed those in my 870. Went to the three guns, uh, skills and drills, and uh, yeah, it's it's still jamming on me. So I'm not quite sure if it's because the the, uh, the shell carrier is uh, is just a little bit too loose or why. But for whatever reason, the shell pops out onto the shell carrier just fine. Shell carrier goes up, and then sometimes it just it's aiming off to the right, and the shell is the the front of the shell, the shot shell is jammed against the right side of the chamber. Um, I don't know why it's doing it. Um, maybe I'll did get you, a gunsmith to look at it or something like that. Did, but did you did you find any play in the lifter? Is the lifter wobbling and and uh, is it not slack a lot. in the trigger group? Not a heck of a lot. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the issue, but um, you know. I, you know, it'd be a, well, it's not a super cheap solution, but Great Western Gun Parts will sell you a whole trigger group for your 870. It's going to be the ply one with a plastic trigger grid, unfortunately. It's going to be like 90 bucks and it's going to be new. So if there's any play or slop there, that will take care of it. Yeah. I, I got another buddy with an 870. So what I might do is, is, um, go to his place and start sw- swapping parts until, yeah. uh, I find something that fails and then replace that, whatever that is. Um, that's, anyways, that's um, too. yeah, so I, I, I mean, it was a, it was a really good time because the skills and drills was purely on shotguns and we were shooting for like four hours. So I went through boxes and boxes of shot shells, uh, practicing, uh, two up reloading, uh, practicing quad load. Um, it was, it was in the cold and the snow, but, uh, uh, you know, that's good practice anyways. 
Um, and I met uh, um, at that event, I met uh, Rainey. He's, he's a listener of the show and um, yeah, just uh, had a really good chat with him. Uh, shot, shot the uh, Ruger Precision Rifle, finished my review on it, posted on the site. And uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a good trip to the range. You know, sometimes you, sh- you go to the range and it feels like you're just waiting for barrels to cool down. You're not getting a lot of shooting done. And this was the opposite. I got all the shooting done this time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But yeah, that 870 is still bugging me. But I don't know. I got a couple of their shotguns coming, so maybe I'll be running with those. And I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's funny. I've been thinking recently that I need to put out another gun-related YouTube video. And I was thinking about doing a 870 versus 500 yeah. uh, video. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to ask to borrow yours. I was going to say, let me know if you want to borrow mine. <laughs> I think I think I'll borrow Trevor's. <laughs> uh, you could take both my 500 and my 590 because they're both kind of along the same lines where, well, your 500 is pretty tactical too. Yeah, well, I'm, I want to focus on the action uh, and, and how they work as opposed to a tactical one versus a tactical one. I, it doesn't really matter, barrel length and all that. I just want to talk no. about the, the dis- differences and similarities between the two guns. Yep. No, you are doing. That's one that you haven't done yet. You do have access to those firearms, so I might as well. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe yeah, you can you help could. me shoot it. My pleasure. We have. Yeah, we did that with our twenty twos that time. Yeah, we did. That was fun. Mm. I still have all that video footage. I, I watched some of those outtakes a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so was that the that the one where every time I appeared on camera, I had a different piece of clothing added yes. to the? Yeah. Yeah. He started <laughs> off with. It's just regular, and then sunglasses, then like a fur hat, and then a fur hat with sunglasses, and it just kept adding up. <laughs> yeah. Good it was funny. Anything else, uh, Adriel? No, that's it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be playing around some other shotguns this week and uh, kind of heading into the Christmas season. Just It's going to be all shotguns all the time. Nice. Cool. I'm all shotgun reloading all the time, or reloading then shooting. Maybe tomorrow, before uh, after work and before filthies, maybe. So I'm off to Filthies for the weekend to see Star Wars. Awesome. Of course. Of course. Yeah, if you're going to see Star Wars. you got to go with Filthy. Exactly. That's a rule. That's a rule, yeah. So um, shall we move into upcoming events then, gentlemen? If there's yeah, nothing sure. else? All right. So the uh, first annual Ronnie DeGroote Rock Out with your Glock Out Steel Challenge will be on the 4th of June uh, 2016 at the Rescue Gun Club. So come on out and uh, help honor the memory of a Rescue Gun Club member and support one of uh, uh, a local charity. Uh, the uh, Rescue Snowmobile Club. The sixth annual charity shoot. Man, this thing is getting big. Get on Facebook, like New Shooter Canada. They're the ones hosting it. They're the ones organizing it. Every time I turn around, a new sponsor, a new sponsor, a new sponsor. They've got Zombie Supply Canada. They've got um, Jason and... Um, oh, my God. We're going to... Oh, Jason and... Oh, you know, Jason's partner. The guys that do Valkyrie Defense. Well, Valkyrie Defense is... Uh, I'm sorry, Brian. Jason and Brian from Valkyrie Defense, and they're they're on as a sponsor. They're going to bring some some cool stuff. There's more American listeners and American podcasters coming than ever before. This is the one to be at. We put on a good show, but I think this is going to be the biggest and the best one probably to date. So that'd be perfect because if it's awesome, they can do it again next year. Absolutely, well, they and catch up. the year after, <laughs> and the one after that. <laughs> we'll 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 take it back in twenty nineteen. All right, 2019, we'll take it back. Um, it's going to take place on the 25th of June, Kingston, Ontario, at the Rockville District Fishing Game Club. If you're interested, as I said, go check out New Shooter Canada, and there's also an events page on, on Facebook. So, 
Um, that's it. We took off the uh, handguns fundamental class because it is sold out. It is. However, we are in we're in negotiations. Our people are talking to their people, and there's some. There's you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of behind the rooms dealing and and meetings and stuff. We're currently in the works um, negotiations to to perhaps put one on in Regina in October. Yep. Yep, that'll be cool if that Close. comes together. So if you're interested in that, you need to email us and let us know that you're interested in it. Yeah. So we have, we've had one person already email us and say that they're interested. So uh, that person is uh, is on the list. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Sean. Yes. Sean. So and anyway, then, yeah. Sean, you're on the list. And then anybody else who's interested in a Regina, that's Saskatchewan, right? It's flat. Hard, hard to hard to spell, <laughs> easy to draw. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, Saskatchewan. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. Any yes. any Saskatchewan shooters out there? Oh man, I've been in Regina once. I swore I said I'd never go back. Well, this time you're getting paid to go back, so it's okay. That's, that's true. Well, I was kind of paid to be there last time, but oh uh, well. As far as I know, I'm allowed to go back. So. <laughs> as far as you know. As far as I know, right. find out when I get there. I know there's yeah. one particular car rental agency doesn't want to see me again, but that's that's a story for another day. Of course. News. Let's move on to the news. Yes. So we have three three fairly significant news items here. The first one hasn't been hasn't really made the news, but it's it's a story that's circling Facebook gun pages that I thought uh, would be important to share with our listeners because if it is true. You're not going to hear about it from the proper authorities, unfortunately, so you'll hear about it from us. And that is that the RCMP is looking at changing the classification of certain antique firearms. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the letter that used to be given out, and depending on who you listen to, may no longer be given out, um, to the RCMP would write you a letter confirming the status of your firearm as to whether or not it was an antique. So for the listeners that don't know, in the Firearms Act, the definition of what is a firearm is defined in the Act. And then we get into antique firearms. For some reason, and I'm not going to question why, if your firearm is of a certain age and a certain caliber, it's considered an antique. And if it's considered an antique, they actually do not consider it, according to the definition laid out in the Firearms Act, a firearm. Yeah, it'd be so the same the, as like a BB gun or a pellet gun or... Yeah, so yeah. so most of the Firearm Act, and I say most, not all, most of the Firearms Act does not apply to it. I'll give you an example. Matthew bought a antique pistol once, an antique revolver. Well, Matthew didn't need an ATT to go pick it up there at the post office. He had to transport it like a firearm, but he didn't need an ATT because according to the Firearms Act, it wasn't a firearm. Matthew could fire that firearm, in this province anyway, Anywhere where it was legal to discharge a firearm. Because it wasn't considered a firearm, he didn't need to take it to a gun range. Now, in Nova Scotia, the DNR has said, we don't care if the Firearms Act defines it as a firearm or not. If it's an antique handgun, you still have to fire it at a gun range. So there are some discrepancies across the province, but generally, if your firearm is considered an antique, some of the Firearms Act doesn't apply. So... If you had an antique handgun or a handgun you thought was an antique, you would contact the RCMP, give them information about your firearm, and then they would give you a letter. And on the letter, it would contain the make, model, and serial number, and the FIN number identifying the firearm. And it would say, this letter is in reference to your request regarding the above-mentioned firearm. It has been determined, based on the information you supplied, that this firearm meets the definition of an antique firearm, air quotes, 
as set out in the criminal code under subsection 81, 84, 1, pursuant to subsection 84.3a of the criminal code, antique firearms are deemed not to be a firearm. Antique firearms are deemed not to be a firearm. So it's an antique firearm, but in, according to Canadian law, it doesn't meet the definition of a firearm. This letter provides confirmation that you may lawfully possess this particular firearm without a valid license or registration certificate. That's very important. This is what I need you to focus on. It is recommended that you retain this letter with the antique firearm as confirmation of its status. So the cops come to your house and they see this antique revolver on the table and they're like, hey, where's your firearms license? Hey, I don't need one. Why not? Because this isn't a firearm. I can own it without a gun license. So that was a really important thing as well. If you had $2,500, you could buy an antique French revolver and you didn't need a gun license to own it. As a matter of fact, you could carry it. The letter continues. It says, please be advised that the following regulations do apply to antique firearms in order to deter loss, theft, and accidents. Regulations for storage, display, transportation, and handling of firearms by individuals. Regulations for storage, display, and transportation of firearms and other weapons by businesses. Should you have any questions, call blah, blah, blah. All right, so that's what used to happen. You'd get your hands on a firearm, and you thought perhaps it was an antique. You would give the information to the RCMP. If it met the criteria for when it was built and it met the criteria for caliber, they would provide you with this letter saying, this is an antique, you don't need a license to own it. So now I'm going to share with you the post that was posted on the CCFR page. And it says, so I had a very interesting chat yesterday. Some of you may be well aware that I used to be heavily into antique firearms. Now about the same time that the CZ858 and Swiss Arms issue occurred, the RCMP changed the way they interpreted antique firearms. In the past, it was legal to change calibers and deregister restricted firearms that had been built prior to 1898. The caliber change caused them to become antique status, and the RCMP not only deregistered thousands of handguns, but they also issued antique status letters, declaring them to not be firearms according to the Firearms Act. Now with this change, many of the previously deregistered antiques are now considered registered or prohibited firearms. I posed the question to the RCMP, wondering if they would honor existing antique letters as there's really no way to confirm the legitimacy of an antique firearm now. The word from the RCMP is that they will not recognize the letters. So the same letters that the RCMP once provided you with, they will now disregard not recognize them, their own letter. I can only assume that means they will not recognize the fact that they have deregistered them in the past, and despite keeping a file on all issued letters, they have not notified anyone who has previously requested a letter that the particular firearm involved is no longer considered an antique. So on Monday, you had an antique handgun, you had a letter confirming such from the RCMP, and on Tuesday, they decided that letter was no longer null and void, and if you don't have a firearms license, you are now illegally in possession of a, a firearm, and B, potentially a restricted and or prohibited firearm. Essentially, the RCMP have flooded the market with unregistered or deregistered restricted and prohibited firearms and will change and will charge and prosecute those they've managed to set up, including, included as a sample letter found online, blah, blah, blah. So just like they decided that the CZ858 and the Swiss arms were prohibited, these, this is even a step worse because they once wrote you a letter saying it was good to go, and now they're saying, nope, 
It's no but they're harm. not they're not letting everybody know that. They're not well, emailing this, out letters or mailing out right. letters to those people saying, Oh, by the way, this is no longer so now these people are gonna be out in the woods thinking they're perfectly legal and good to go, and then all of a sudden they're in jail. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that letter's no good anymore. Uh we didn't have to tell you. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Wow. So anybody out there with an antique, you may want to look into this. Yeah. Definitely. Adriel, anything to add? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have any antique revolvers or uh, rifles. I know that some people will uh, <clears throat> will get one of the uh, old martinis back when when uh, when rifles were registered as a, as a means to stay off the registry. Uh, um, but now that uh, long arms are non restricted, uh, non restricted, non registered, um, you know they they can, they just get their own rifles, kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless they're in Quebec. <laughs> yeah. That's mean. Who wants to take the next one? This is also unsettling. Well, you're the lead host. You have to pick. Take it. Fraudsters stealing firearm license information. Calgary police are warning the public after a pair of incidents where phony gun sellers duped some buyers into handing over personal information that could have led to some illegal gun sales. On December 8th, police were notified about two cases where two private gun buyers had responded to online ads for guns. The buyers were able to speak to the sellers over the phone, and an agreement was made to pay for the guns using e-transfers. The buyers provided their PAL numbers as per regulations. However, when the e-transfers took place, the bank notified both victims that the accounts were false and the money transfers were stopped before any cash was lost. Police believe that money may not have been the only goal of the fraudsters. They believe the suspects were after the buyer's PAL numbers, which could be used to buy guns illegally. Anyone who suspects that their PAL number has been compromised is asked to call the National Weapons Enforcement Support Team. Um, so, yeah, if you are selling a firearm, you can check with the Canadian Firearm Center to determine if a PAL is flagged by calling uh, 800-731-4000. Yeah, so, this is only going to work trying to buy a gun from me. That's right. So these are people that don't have licenses, but are going to use this license to buy a gun privately. It's not going to work in a store. It's not going to work online because online they actually require you to scan and send yep. in a copy. Exactly. Scan, yeah, of the front and back of your license. But if some guy goes on TGN and says, hey, I want to buy your M305. All right, what's your PAL number? You know, it's great if it's a restricted firearm. Yeah, because but for non-restricteds. Non-restricted, if I get lazy and don't check it. Yep. And some pe- some some sellers are just happy to see a number. They're not taking the full due diligence because they're not legally required to. They're required to what is it? You have to. You have to have no reason to suspect that yeah. the person is not allowed to buy Own a, a gun. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, just just be safe and call and verify the license number every time. Yeah, and absolutely. if there's a problem, yeah, as Matthew said, it should be flagged. So yeah. Well, and, and I've seen a lot of people uh, start buying guns and getting uh, screwed buying guns uh, off Facebook posts, off of um, just these secondary and tertiary websites. And it's because, that, like, at least on CGN, the one thing that's good about CGN, their trader rating is uh, excellent, and uh, it for it forces people to uh, have good trader rating and uh, and and buy and sell promptly. So when you when you have that trader rating it's it's at least uh like a a little bit of a verify that the person you're buying from or selling to is uh is is someone who's reputable, right? And and you don't get the same thing off of a Facebook post or an auction or something like that. And uh I know I I know of a couple of people at least who've been um nailed uh sending money and not getting anything in return. And it's not to say it can't happen on CGN because it does. 
uh, it's just less likely when you're buying from someone who has a trader rating of 20 or 30 uh, good transactions and uh, they have a lot of positive feedback, right? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 you know, if, even if it was possible to buy and sell guns over Kijiji, I would never do it because Kijiji, like buying oh, and selling Kijiji. stuff off Kijiji is horrible as it is. Sketchy. Oh, throw guns in the mix and that would be even nuts. And I don't know why people think it's different on a, a Facebook auction page where people are buying, selling guns. It's like you're still not getting that feedback on, on your buyers or sellers. Yeah, don't that's do right. it. You don't need, even bother. Yeah. 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 Stick, uh, stick with places that, uh, that track the, the users and, and you can tell, you know, from their history that they are indeed a legitimate. There are so many people that they won't even look at you yep. if you don't have a good trader rating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the way the it last, should be. Last one I bought, I totally forgot to check when I got my SR9 off of, uh, mm-hmm. CGN. I just, hey, good deal, good price. He's in Quebec. And I went on it. And then after the deal was done, I was like, oh my God, he's got three. so now he's got four positive ones because everything was top notch so yeah yeah you do have to start somewhere but at the same time if it's less than five i'm i'm asking for extra information Mm -hmm. yeah 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 it may require the guy to jump through a few more hoops yeah yeah so excellent adriel will you take the next one about the shooting center Yes. Well, and, and this is, this is my, my backyard here too. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the Edmonton Shooting Center was approved by city council. So it's, uh, it's, I believe they still have to go through CFO approval, but, uh, this is a, this is a really big shooting range. And, uh, our city is, uh, is got the push, put the green light through on it, which is, uh, really encouraging. So this is, this is going to be the largest, uh, indoor shooting range in Western Canada. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of, a uh, it's new. It's going to be um, kind of on the northwest side of the city. Uh, it's got an eight-lane, 100-meter indoor range, which is pretty big. Uh, it's also going to have 25-meter ranges, classrooms, a lounge, a retail space. Like this is uh, this is more uh, country club, gun club. That reminds than... me. Yeah. Whatever happened to that super range that was supposed to open in Ontario? Remember that we had those guys on. We yes, had, I remember that. Yeah, we had Dan Belosky and the other guy. Yeah, well, start if you're listening, get, send us an update. We want to find out what's going on with that. Yeah. 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 Anyways, yeah, this one, uh, yeah, this is going to be a big range. Uh, the, the pricing on it is quite a bit higher, but, um, here in Edmonton, there's, there's, uh, just a couple of ranges where you can shoot indoors. Nothing you can shoot indoors a hundred meter. And, uh, you know, it, it gets cold here. Right now, there's about a, a foot of snow at, uh, at the outdoor range that I go to. And, uh, they got a good point with this on, you know, there, there's snow and it's cold outside six months of the year and uh, those are six more months that you can you can be shooting in an indoor range like this so it's kind well, of exciting I mean, that they're that they're pulling this stuff up and and this stuff's getting approved by city and uh, and we're gonna have like a, a uh, not a world class but a national class uh, shooting center here in Edmonton that is awesome 100 meter indoor is so important when you're trying to eliminate uh, environmental factors while zeroing your rifle you never yep. have to worry about sun in your eyes or temperature or wind that's you right can really find out you know you can't say oh well uh, it's windy or you know yeah, exactly. yeah i remember i remember reading a story a few years ago about a guy who had access to a warehouse in i believe it was downtown new york this was quite a few years ago and it was 500 meters long or something like that and he would invite or people would ask and he would take people in and they would you know so 500 meters with zero wind mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. made and shot some amazingly accurate rifles 
of course that's no longer allowed but uh but back in the day you know imagine having access to like a half kilometer long range to to really dial in and it's so important like when i was getting ready to go to the world cup in croatia the owner of the mall that i work at like my school is rents a, a, a classroom in the mall and um he gave me permission to shoot indoors and i had 90 meters Nice. Yeah, the, the mall would close. Yeah. Everybody would go home. I'd drag my target down the hall, and I would shoot straight down the middle of the mall. Now, for those of you listening, you don't understand where I live. And to call this a mall. <laughs> it's not really a mall. <laughs> it's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> it has the word mall written on the outside of the building, but really that's, that's about as far as it goes. <laughs> that's right, yeah. But it was, a, it was a location where I was able to shoot my, uh, shoot my bow indoors uh, up to 90 meters if I wanted I only shot 70 because 70 was the longest distance I would need for the World Cup. The scary part was directly behind my target was a bunch of plate glass windows. (laughs) You wanted to be good. (laughs) Yeah, because if I smashed one of those windows, I'm sure they were probably 500 bucks a piece. Oh, I would say easy. Yeah, so I never did. That's good. So all It just gives you a little little extra stress there to uh, shoot under. (laughs) Yeah, so... Yeah, there's no excuse for a bad shot when you're shooting indoors. Nope. Nope, so, not at all. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, wow, we're flying along here quicker than I thought. Yeah, we're doing all right. Yeah, shall we jump into the main topic? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do it. So we decided that we would ask our listeners to share with us, and I think it's kind of an annual Christmas event, isn't it, Matthew? Sure. Well, even if it's not, we're saying it is. As yeah. of now it is, we're doing this every year. And uh, we asked you to share your Christmas wish list with us on Facebook. So we're just going to jump on to the uh, Facebook, our Slamfire Radio Facebook page. And uh, it reached 772 people. It's a little disappointing. A little disappointing. So Yeah. So you guys just want to take turns? We'll go down? Who yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Yep. Who wants to start with Dallas? All right. He wants more ammo. Who doesn't need more ammo? Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, Luke Giroux, that doesn't count. We asked you what you wanted, not what you bought your wife. Luke Giroux bought his wife an NEA 15 for Christmas. From Did you get that one free too? No, huh? No, he bought that from Terry. Yeah, I know. I'm just oh. rubbing. I'm just, just. Oh, cause yeah. he bought. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a Daniel Defense, the one he got, but yeah, you know, so, whatever. You know, he should give that to her and take the NEA. Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Rob wants a sweet woman that likes hunting, shooting, and fishing. This is not a dating uh, (laughs) um, website or app. Hey, we didn't say uh, it just had to be gun related. And hunting and shooting and fishing is gun related. Well, except for the fishing, unless Mm. you're fishing in a very interesting way. Mm. (laughs) That kind of fishing. And if you can't get that, uh, he'll settle for an XCR or ACR, something with a CR in it. I've shot both. And if I had to uh, go back and pick one, I'd go ACR this time around. Uh, I don't like that the grip is molded into the frame and you can't really change it, but overall it's lighter because it's pretty much all, it's a plastic shell, but at least it's not like a Keltec where the barrel is mounted into plastic. But uh, yeah, I would try an ACR this time around myself. What, what are you, have you guys shot both? I've only shot the XCR. I haven't shot the ACR yet. Oh, just uh, kept both. Okay. I like, yeah, the, I yeah. like the ACR too. Mm-hmm. Who has an ACR, Trevor, that we know? Yeah, uh, uh, Kevin. He's got, uh, I think. It's still at this point restricted, but I believe his long-term plans are. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I didn't get a chance to shoot that. Oh, uh, that's too bad. He had a charity shoot. Yeah, I remember that. All kinds of awesome. Oh, I'll shoot it this summer. I'm sure he'll have it there. There's yeah. a guy at my range that has an ACR in 300 blackout with a non-restricted barrel length on it. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. And uh, does he hunt with it? or? 
he said he was thinking of it. Otherwise, he, he had a lot of fancy toys, though. Mm, nice oil money. <laughs> All right, yeah. Back to you, McClatchy. Uh Filthy. He wants the Bushnell twenty-two optic that I did a YouTube review on. So that was the uh, the Bushnell AR. Oh, uh, what was it called again? I don't remember. It was like an A. It was the AR two two three. Yeah, except oh. it was a twenty-two version. Yeah, yeah they like, still call it the AR two two three. Okay, there you go. Stupid. Yeah. Oh, because the Nikon does the M twenty-two and the M two two three. Right. Mm-hmm. Ah, and Bushnell just goes two two three for all of them. I like that Bushnell line of AR optics, and they're affordable. It works yeah. good too. I still use it. It's on Jules Rifle now, uh, but uh, I use it very often, and uh, I really like it. Excellent. Yeah. Um, uh, Nate Richards, Nate Richard, the uh, founder of GOC, is he not? Yes, he is. Go GOC! Yay! Uh, he wants an M ninety six Robinson armament. And a Savage 10 in the McMillan stock. Well, oh. you got champagne taste and a beer budget, don't you? <laughs> and I want peace on earth. <laughs> don't we all? Well, yeah. Yeah, mostly. Yep. Brian Sheets wants a side saddle for his Nova, a light bearing appendix holster for his PPQ, a flat dark earth PPQ, which won't be out until spring, but he's got it on his list. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's good stuff. Uh, Brian Sheets is uh, one of the instructors over at Valkyrie Defense. Go like him on Facebook. And, you can't uh, make me. Uh, let's see. And then he had some questions from Jeff about what kind of t- what kind of uh, shotgun. All right, Melissa, <laughs> Melissa Lee, boss of Toby Lee, wants a flashbang holster for her XDM, can can holster for her for her Glock. You're welcome, because uh, you can never carry too many guns. Components for reloading 9 mil and 40 and a Mag 40. Yes, Mag 40s for everyone. Why not? Yeah. And the Moat Lake Candy. That's going to be their thing this year. Her and Toby are going to get to get to one somewhere. So nice. if you haven't checked out the Armed Couples Project, Armed Couples Project, <laughs> I'm only on my second glass. <laughs> uh, the Armed Couples Podcast, go over and give them a like and a listen. It's a, it's an entertaining show. Uh, Mike Patton. He wants a membership at the Calgary Shooting Center because he's not a communist. There you go. Yeah, he gets perfect. It. Good job, Mike. Yeah, Carl wants a ten twenty two takedown. I think they've got a there, there was a new version of that takedown. What was they it like a heavy just, barrel? They just uh, released another version where it's a target barrel. Oh. So it's a heavy heavy bull barrel, I guess. Awesome. So cool. that'll be cool because we saw one of those. I forget who, but they had to make it custom. And put a bull barrel on it. Mm-hmm. It was a custom build. It was really nice. I like the idea of the the ten twenty two takedown. It's uh, mm-hmm. that's the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. It comes in a nice case. Paul Furlot's got one. I played with it, and it's there's no loss in accuracy. Lockup no. is great. It's it's excellent. Everybody I, should have one in their uh, in their trunk. Good t- good uh, bug out gun. Good hunting you know, survival gun. You know why not? Mm-hmm. And if you get one with a folding stock. You get one of the, like, some kind of 1022 stock that folds, and then you modify it to fit with your takedown setup. That's really compact lens put away. It really would be. <laughs> You're right. Um, Scott says, uh, got the gun, waiting on the SPUHR mount or the SP, SPUHR mounts. Anybody know what that is? Spur? Yeah, spur. spur. What's yeah. a spur mount? No idea. Fancy All right, then. expensive mounts. Scott, how can we pass this on to Santa if we don't know what it is? <laughs> I have a feeling this is not the only thing on the list that we're not going to know. All right, so Scott gets nothing. Next. 
Uh, I forget whose turn it is. So Ken Kowalski, he wants Glock 21 parts. And no, he, I go after you. Well, you, we, you messed up the order before. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No. Yeah, goes... you read Melissa's and I should have. Oh, really? I was keeping track. <sighs> I wasn't. <laughs> so if you're done interrupting me, Ken Kowalski still wants Glock 21 parts. And he'd love it if Santa would bring him lots of optics. Ken Kowalski doesn't even know what parts he needs. Just lots of them. <laughs> all of them. Just send them all. I actually posted a parts diagram on the uh, Modern Rifleman Radio Facebook page because he had ordered some parts to finish his build and forgot to get some of the parts he needed. It's a Glock. It has eight parts. How could you lose track yet? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. So for those of you that aren't aware, Ken is working on a project called Glockzilla. He's making a custom Glock that shoots a ridiculously large uh, caliber handgun round. Just unnecessarily big. Just for fun. Mm. Because why not? But Ken's a big, big guy. I mean, he's going to... Oh, he's him. huge. No. Wait. No, he's not, though. Wait. He's <laughs> a big guy. Uh, Jeff is uh, is not gritty. He just wants to keep what he has right now. So I don't know what he has, but uh, maybe he's just worried about reclassification or something. I would probably agree with him. Pretty much, yeah. December yeah. 8th. So it was posted uh, pretty early on after the election. Yeah. Um, and Jeff is a member of the Woodstock Club, and he was thanking us for promoting the fundraiser, the raffle that they had at the Woodstock Club, um, and had sent some pictures, I believe, showing the work that was done and, and an update. And um, I had asked him to send us some more information, but uh, it never never arrived. But anyway, so to the listeners who may have bought tickets as a result of us promoting them on the show, job well done. The uh, Woodstock range got their new berms and, and looks amazing. Um, now it's me. Yep. Matthew wants a slide, a slide mounted red dot. Why? Click on your Glock or something. So you could it's a great idea. Why not? They work. Be- because it's winter, you you put the red dot on your slide and it shows where you're going. If you put the red dot on a frame mounted mount, then you don't have to track it as it. Yeah, but if you put it on the sl- if you put it on- oh, okay. First of all, <laughs> never mind. Okay, if you put it on the slide, you don't <laughs> no, have to worry about. Fight. You don't have to worry about a, a, a custom holster. You can put it on a Glock or an MMP or any sort of duty style gun. You can't do that. Okay, you got me there. Okay. And then also, there are very few people who can actually see the slide move when they pull the trigger and to be able to track that while it's moving. So it happens so quickly that unless unless you're an expert shooter and a competition shooter, you're not going to notice a difference. But you don't have to worry about tracking it if it doesn't move. I get I'm very by. I know where you're coming from, and I wasn't thinking with duty. I was thinking with respects to gaming. And, of course, shooting an open gun, your red dot doesn't move. And That's that right. Makes, that makes tracking it so much easier because it's not moving, right? Have you shot a slide-mounted uh, red dot? I have not. Okay, uh, so you have no no comparison basis no, here. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I just but curious. We are going this way. We are going this way. I mean, you 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 know there was a time. You can't. I mean, everybody's running. A red, red dots dot. on carbines. Yeah, they never used to. It's open sights, open sights, open sights. Red dots. Those electronic fangled things will never catch on. Look where we are now. Exactly, and it's so. gonna. Yeah, and it's it's on its way yep. to uh, to the handgun. World. As it should be. It makes Same. shooting easier. Yeah. And it's not that shooting has to be hard, and it's not that we're looking <laughs> to make shooting easier, but if you're in a stressful situation and you need to shoot something right now, it's nice to be able to do it right now without having to think too much. Yep. So. Yep. I just don't know. I mean, we're, we're probably 10 years away from perfecting that technology where a uh, slide-mounted red dot's not going to break and it's going to be compact enough, but 
large enough to use and holsters, you're right. And we're going that way, though. There's no two ways about it. Yep. Uh, Tim wants an ultimate gas tube rail and mag pull stock for his new rifle dynamics AK-74. Tim, I hate you. Yep. That was was a cool, cool class that he went on. He went on a, um, I'm gathering just from the pictures there. He went on an AK building course or something. Oh, that'd be so much fun. I'd love to play around with an AK. Uh Me too. Just because I can't. I think if they were legal here, I'd be like, SKS, what? <laughs> That's pretty much it, man. An, a- an SKS and an AK is really not that different. And great bullet, crappy platform. Yeah. You know. But, you know, whatever. We can't have them, so that makes us want them that much more. I don't want one. You don't want an I AK? Do. I don't. I've held it. I've handled it. I, I Mind you, it was a Chinese one, but still. Nah, I think you'd want a real one. I I'd, I'd use one definitely. Yeah. You know, if I had the choice between a AK47 with a full capacity mag or a VZ58 with a full cap mag, I'll take the V8 or the V58 any day of the week. If I could have an AR chambered in 7.62 by 39 with a full cap mag, I'd take that. Well, I'd take the AR too. But it's we actually can't an AR can't have any of these, so uh <laughs> Oop point. Well, we can have the AR chambered in it, but we can't have a full cap mag, which is part of why they don't run very well. So, yep. All right. Now I've got uh, Kelly. Sure. Oh, God. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly wants a polymer SKS tactical stock to put on his 1911. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get coal. <laughs> and that's what it says. I predict coal. I predict coal for you. And a visit from Krampus. Oh, yeah. Krampus, the uh, Christmas demon. Yep. Huh. Huh. Yeah. That was, that was all me. <laughs> all right, then. <laughs> I've got RJ. Uh, RJ would like a Magpul 700 stock. Yeah, you seen this thing? Cool. He included a picture. It's very nice. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, I've I got know. the like. It's 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 really cool because uh, Magpul's kind of using the same buttstock on a lot of their different platforms, and yep. uh, and now you can get it on a rifle. Yeah, that looks very much like their shotgun stock. Yeah, it very much does. Yeah, yep. just like the SGA. Got to be quite lightweight, I would think. Hmm. Possibly. Um, I don't know if it comes if it's like pillow bedded or rails or what's going on in there, but I'm sure it's got something to make sure that the barrel is free floating and that the uh, receiver is pretty much shrewd. They there. probably just zip tie the barrel to the, the stocks, probably. Well, no, that's <laughs> the problem. If it's free floating, zip tie it down so it's not floating. That's right. You don't want it to get away from you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The cheap thing, the barrel doesn't even touch the stock. I know. Experts tips here from SFR. Pro tips, buddy. Pro tips. Expert. Oh, pro. expert pro tip? Yeah, no, no. The pro tips are the serious ones. <laughs> oh, do they? Uh, okay, I got you. Uh, no, okay. So I asked them if they make them for uh, Savage. Not yet. So yeah. I like it, but I don't like it enough to buy a Remington product. Yeah, Raymond says indeed. I'm gonna. Right. Cu- I'm not gonna count that. I'm gonna read the next one too. Yeah. Uh, from Kevin Latham, a Magpul X22 stock and a 1022. I like the way you think, Kevin. Yeah, a lot of, mag- a lot of Magpul in this. Uh, a lot of Magpul. Post. Well, Magpul makes good stuff. Yeah. It's enough to make you want to get a 1022 just to wrap it in that X22 stock. Yeah, no way. <laughs> Kelly Lynn. Good night, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. Kelly would like an MMP 22 pistol. So would I. A Benelli Supernova. Ammo. New boots. Kelly, I hope by new boots you mean like 511 boots and not something that goes to your knee and has zippers all the way down the side. A handgun fundamental, of course, in Alberta on August 6th. Hey, I'm, <laughs> I've been good. You can come. Yeah, you know, don't just don't uh, you know, 
bail like you did on the uh, Black Badge course. Yeah, well, she probably would. So you might as well sign up, send us your money, and don't show up. She did good by bailing <laughs> on the. No, she she did good by bailing on the uh, Black Badge course because Ipsic Ontario never gave them memberships. And as really? a matter of fact, yeah, as a matter of fact, Tracy paid for 2015 and 2016, and without any explanation, they just sent her a check back after a long. T- her and John had this tele- teleconference phone call with the president of Ipsic, Ontario, and everything was supposed to be resolved, and then no memberships were forthcoming, and then she got her money back. Wow. Yeah, so. That's uh, crazy. Yep. Yeah. yeah, let's not. No, I'm not going to go there again. Yeah, I'm okay. Gonna, I'm going to get. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, let's move on to Tim's. Yeah. Uh, Tim just wants to keep his CZ858 out of the Prohib penalty box. Mm. It went to the box for two months, and it felt shame. It did. That's a slap shot reference. All right, then. Uh, Kyle Marconi wants a Giselle, right? That's how you no. say that? I'm pretty sure it's Giselle SD3G trigger for his R. Giselle. It's Giselle. Uh, Geisley. I know. <laughs> it's much funnier my way. Uh, he wants uh, Delask magazines for his new 1911. Uh, don't tell Bolivar or Ferlate. Too late. Mm. I already told him. He wants yep. 47 Ds. That's right. Cool. Uh, on to me. Sure. Thomas, clone trooper targets. There's no such thing. Next. <laughs> oh, Got to make those. <laughs> Shush you. Uh, Andrew Richards looking for a Redding body dye and as much trail boss as possible. I doubt Secret Santa at work will come through, though. Oh, that's too bad. Trail boss, great. Redding body dye. Please tell me what that is. Yeah, I'm not sure. You could Google it, but meh. But I'd just rather Andrew tell us. Yeah, Andrew should just tell us. It's the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Lawrence wants an XCRL in 762x39 with a Vortex Strike Eagle 1-6x24 scope. Oh, and a 5.56 conversion kit. That would be cool. Mm, I thought you got that already, Jordan. Jordan and I have been chatting on Facebook about this. Jordan is the guy who took me all over Vancouver when I was out there a couple of years ago and brought me out to uh, the cool gun shops and made me spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars. <laughs> Came home That's with a loophole air scope. Yeah, awesome. He brought me to a barbecue where I got to eat free food, so all's good. Yeah, yeah. that Vortex Strike Eagle, uh, I haven't played with one yet, but uh, I want to. They're, they look really cool. Good value, like all Vortex products. Yeah, and just a, just a little bit more magnification than your typical 1 to 4, right? Is it a true 1 to 6? Or is it like a 1.25 to 5.75? I'm not sure. A lot of the ones that are like a 1 to 4 or 1 to 6, it's, it's not a true one That's times. Right. It's usually like a 1.25 yep. or 1. 1.1 or something like that. I don't know. Now, with my loophole saying it's 1.5 to 4, what do you suppose that 1.5 actually is? It's probably 1.5. They're just advertising yeah, they're, it properly. Yeah, they're just being oh, okay. a little bit more honest. Yeah. Oh, I got you. It's not a true 1. It's a 1.5, so they call That's it right. that. Yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to make a true 1. Gotcha. Interesting. So. Okay. Uh, so who's up for Dawson? You. All right, Dawson says uh, all of them. So I like how he thinks. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take them all for Christmas. <laughs> uh, so I guess, no, it's, uh, never mind, not my turn. Yeah, it's me. How, how many uh, glasses are you in? I just got one here. I'm halfway through my second. I've got my contacts in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's terrible. Uh, uh, Russell is looking for a pistol safe and grips for the handgun he's waiting for the transfer on. Cool. Did he say what? Which he didn't say, but he also he had a, he had a, a reply to himself there saying getting the gun by Christmas would be a bonus. So he didn't say what it was. Hmm. Yeah, he didn't. What are you getting, Russell? Inquiring minds want to know a gun. 
Yeah. What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great reference. Good job. <laughs> What's in the box? All right, from Mark. Uh, he wants a one to uh, he wants a one by six AR scope. I'm guessing he wants a one two six AR nope, it's scope. It's a one zoom six millimeter yeah, objective. This is uh, basically it's a peep <laughs> sight. <laughs> and uh, he wants lots more uh, X39 ammo. So I'm I'm gonna go with seven by seventy six two. 762. X, X, 762 X39. That's what he... <laughs> yeah, he wants lots more of that. I bought a case of that stuff before the price went up a can of ammo after I sold my AR in 762. Of course. Because price was going go up. bad. Yeah, the liberals not... got in, I was doing some panic buying. That's right. Uh, Michael Clark wants a TLR-1. And a TLR-1 is... It sounds familiar. It's an optic? Uh, yeah, no, it's a, um, you know, the... Uh, Santa's light. It's a streamlight. Oh, TLR one. It is a light. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Google is my friend. Yes, Google is your friend. Your only friend. It's, oh. well, yeah, I'll hang up on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whose turn uh, is it? Uh, I think it's mine. Uh, All right. Brian uh, Brian Bolivar is looking for a loophole. Never heard optics, of her. <laughs> uh, Mark eight one point one. So we're talking truth in advertising for these uh, one to somethings. Uh, yep. This is a one to one point one to eight by twenty four CQBSSM five B one FFP front focal. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a it's just fun there. reading all the letters. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to Arcade. just put as many acronyms in there and yeah. as, as possible. Oh with my! Integrated QD mounts. Oh my! They start at three thousand seven hundred forty-nine dollars, <laughs> and they go up by an extra. What a bargain! <laughs> they only climb by an extra thousand. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Thirty-four millimeter main tube. Didn't we just have this discussion? About, yes, we did. Why is it a thirty-four millimeter main tube when it's got a twenty-four millimeter objective? I don't know. It actually, it's you can look. That can't be right. The, no, it is right. It is right. I'm looking at the picture. It's shaped quite funnily. Oh yeah. Isn't that huh. something? I'm going there now. <sighs> that's what she well, said. Well, that's for because Brian does service rifles, so he probably wants as much zoom as possible, I guess, with still keeping something that's a one-time for CQB. Brian's just difficult and all about the drama. 34 That's millimeter main tube. This. At least it's not a 35 millimeter main tube. Well, what's the Elcan go for? The Elcans aren't that much, are they? No, the Elcans aren't that much. No. Elcan Spectre is like two, though, I'm sure. Two to three, somewhere in there. Yeah. Well, Brian, once again, champagne taste on the beer budget. If you wanted this kind of optic, you should not have had children. That's Isn't basically. US dollars, too? Yeah, that'd, oh, that'd yeah. be US dollars, oh. I'm sure. <laughs> Canadian yeah. dollar is brutal right now. It's like seventy two cents. Man, this yep. be, this so that's be like terrible. a eighty thousand dollar optic. Oh, yeah. crazy! Uh, Jason Philp wants a shooting bench, target stands, and a new government. Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. He, he wants the wild rose party. Apparently, <laughs> sharp ninety seven. Uh, a light for my Jericho and a happy Hanukkah. Happy yes. Hanukkah to you too. I like for his Jericho. Jericho even have a rail? I didn't know that. That's cool. Hmm. Uh, Brian Sheets uh, is looking to add one more thing. He needs a bullseye pistol. Uh, oh, no. Smith & Wesson decided to stop making the 22A altogether, leaving me well screwed. If anyone has a Smith 22A in 7-inch that wants to part with, I would, uh, he'd be greatly appreciative. So I told him... Um, sorry? That's for other listeners, not for you, Trevor. Oh, okay. 
Um, he said, give it to Santa and he will drop it off. That's all I'm saying. I said, no bullseye pistols, SKS rifles, or 1911s. And he said, this is for refining baseline fundamentals at 25 yards. Are you against building fundamental skills? Most communists are. I said, no, but Matthew and Frosty are. <laughs> so he huh. says, you guys are dead to him. So there you have it. No, these things happen. Yeah. All right. Kelly Kim, I have a request. Can you guys sing the 12 Days of Christmas, but reword it to make it about guns? And I said, no. Yeah, that's a good Thank answer. You. Thank you for that. You're yes. quite welcome. He said, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> and to that I said, yes. Uh, no one wants to hear me sing. No it's one terrible. wants to hear me sing. Yeah, no one wants to hear me sing either. Okay, Red Ranch. Uh, we heard you sing. You've done this. And this yeah, is why he's asking. You've already done this. I'm not doing it again. And no. see, the last one, it was all about CGN, and it had Canadian Reload Radio in it, not Slam Fire Radio. So yeah. no longer valid. All right, Red Ranch, he doesn't want anything for himself. Of course not. Uh, he'd like to see Canada adopt the Imperial Standard and CCW. <laughs> I am all for the CCW, but the Imperial Standard, oh my. Nice. Don't even get me started. How many hogshead does my car get to a chain? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Abraham. <laughs> He continues on, I wish Trevor a quiver full of arrows. I want Owen's family to have a happy, healthy year. I'd also like Matthew to shoot a grouse. Did I miss anyone? Didn't think so. Sorry, new guy. (laughs) (laughs) That was hilarious. And our last one here, Kevin is looking for a Trigicon for his... Uh, for the AR Concealment Solutions IWB inside the waistband for the Glock and a mag holder in a pear tree. A recital of this classic, the 12 Days of Christmas, performed by Bob and Doug. Very Canadian. <laughs> I know, eh? I was thinking of a, tri- a Trigicon for his Concealment Solutions inside the waistband Glock. Conslutions. Yeah, no, you just oh. you can just run them together, Conslutions, and that's the short that. form. Concealment Conslutions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was I was thinking of how to put a Trigicon on a Glock, but uh, yeah, they make a they make a little red dot, don't they? Yes, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I was I was picturing a, a four times optic on a right. pistol that you're, trying to, that you're trying to conceal, and I didn't really get the picture. <laughs> That's funny. Yep, we've cool. got one last one in the show notes from David. Somebody who's up. I don't well, know. So I, I shared it on uh, on on my Facebook page, and uh, rather than clicking through, David. Uh, All right. Well, you take there. it if you. Yeah. Go okay. ahead. Uh, David's looking for a Hawk uh, six to twenty four by forty four scope for his new CZ four five five Varmint Thumbhole twenty two, mm. and the JR. Uh, the carbine carbine has a nine millimeter with a or sorry carbine is in is in nine millimeter with a longer handrail slash barrel shroud. That would make the barrel look less long because they yes. do a short little handguard and this really long barrel. It looks silly. It does look silly. Even one of those dummy cans. Yep. I've seen a dummy can on a CZ-858. It changed the whole aesthetic of the rifle. Yep. Mm. That's the word of the day. Change. There you go. Very. I thought it was rifle, but whatever. No. Aesthetic. We'll do. It's not aesthetic. Don't be silly. We would never make a word of the day that complicated. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't use a word like that. Nah. Mm. So... Well, uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. And uh, that's not the end of the show. No, no. but you know, <laughs> That was the Christmas part, so. yeah. So, no more Christmas for you. Cool for everybody. Shall we jump into our listener feedback? Sure. All right. From James. Wondering if you guys would talk about your favorite movie shootouts. 
For example, the movie Heat, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and a young Val Kilmer when he thought he was not crazy. <laughs> Example, check out this music. No, his music. Oh, check out his music. He's doing music? Yeah, Val Kilmer? Yeah, you didn't know? Oh, no. Neither did I. Oh. Oh, there you go. <laughs> at the time of us, it was a good cop at the time. Why is the word us there? I don't know. At the time, it was a good cop versus robber shootout. I might be wrong, but automatic M4s, shooting cops, and PC. Why don't we edit his emails first? (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty awesome. And Tom, size more. Never leave your team. You don't friends to stay alive. You need friends to stay alive. They used the original gunfire in the movie because when they tried to adjust the sound in post, it didn't seem right. I believe the movie was based on the two lunatics in the LA in LA that robbed the bank with AKs. My favorite lately is John Wick. It was the closest thing to a real gunfight I have seen in a movie. Because you've seen a lot of real gunfights, James? Come on. I'm just kidding. Really close to how most of us would handle our guns in a fight. And this is why I like it too. Yeah, I feel the same way. It really looked awesome. Can't wait for John Wick 2. Can you think of other movies that stood out? Or... How about the worst one you have seen? Uh, low, when the good guys takes the uh, takes the slide off the bad guy's gun. What movie was that? Low, L O W. No, he he meant to say like, and autocorrect oh. fixed it. Oh, like when, yeah. and that was in uh, Lethal Weapon Four. Right. Um, try that with my Tanfoglio. It'll never happen. Bang, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Had a dream last night. I ate a muffler. Woke up exhausted. Cheers. Oh. Cheers. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I butchered your uh, email a little bit there. Sorry, James. Um, well, to be fair, it wasn't that well written. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> the, first, the first one I was going to say was Heat. Uh, that was the first oh, one that too. came to mind. Because yeah. for years, that was like the gun movie. Awesome yeah. shootout when, they, uh, when they're trying to get away or when they're robbed. No, when they're robbing the armored car under the bridge. That was an amazing scene. But... Now, I have to agree with him. John Wick. John Wick is my new favorite gun movie. Have you guys seen it? I haven't seen it yet, no. Yeah, oh. I've seen it. I still it's like amazing. Heat. Matthew. I still like Heat, too, but I like John Wick a lot more. Yeah. I'll have to, try, I'll, I'll have to check it out. Is uh, it on the, Netflix? Uh, the, the street scene when oh, they're shit. when they're battling it out up the street. And, uh, yeah, like the, the gun sounds are all right. Wait, is... That's, that's the thing that's a lot better. Is that Heat. the one with uh, Keanu Reeves? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. it. The puppy? The other, the other good that's one good. with Keanu Reeves that has really good gunplay that's really realistic is, uh, what is it, The Matrix? Yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite gun scenes was in Collateral. That's the Tom Cruise one. He's mm-hmm. the, the, the hitman or whatever. And the guy takes his, his briefcase. He's like, yo, homie, that my briefcase? You know, <laughs> remember I've that scene? No, I've never seen it. And even uh, Tommy, Tommy mentioned it a lot when he was here. And yeah. Uh, yeah. That's an amazing that's an amazing uh sequence of events right there. I really like that. That was cool. Mm. Um other well, gun movies though. Uh, a good ones or bad ones? I don't know. I got a bad one. Uh okay. World War Z. Oh yes. Oh, that was terrible gunplay. I'm going to I'm going to put a picture like a screen grab from that movie up on our Facebook page and it's horrible. There's there's uh one of the 
female characters running around with an AR, and she's got like the the carry handle, and then the red dot like way up on top of it, and it's nowhere near where her face could possibly be. It's it's just terrible. So <laughs> I'll pop that up. And then then there was the Walking Dead one where the guy uh, yes shoots shoots the other guy like 300 meters away with just the front sight. No carry handle, no rear sight at all. Just the front sight. Yep. It's all he there's needed. There's others in there too. There's a there's a guy running a oh a bullpup rifle on that one, and he's he's grabbing onto the magazine to to pull the trigger. You know what the problem is with that. You know what the problem is with that bullpup scene, and this made me lose my mind. That bullpup, which was a Tavor, came out after the series started, so the apocalypse happened in whatever year. Yeah, the, then the then it came out, and then, yeah, so that, right. that's an anachronism. So, in their world, the Tavor does not exist, and that's yet it right. appears in the movie. Yep. I'm pretty sure the, the new Hyundai they had in Season 3 was uh, not Same out thing, when the, yeah. the movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was done, too. Got to make dollar-dollar so, bills, I guess. That was going to be my, as much as I love the show, that was going to be the same, you know, bad The Walking Dead. So, other good ones? I'm at a loss. I know yeah, me too. I, I see them when they happen, and then I forget all about them. And I think we've later. talked about this, or, or perhaps done this as a topic, didn't we, once, Matthew? Best gun movies? Uh, it sounds like it could have been familiar. I don't know. Lockstock and... Um, Two Smoking Barrels? Yeah, a lot of gunplay in that. Is that the one with the guy... <laughs> is that the one with the pellet gun, isn't it? They, they shoot the guy with the, the pellet gun through the cage, or is that uh, the other movie there? Oh, that's the other one. No, no, that, no, no, that's Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. That's not Snatch? I don't think so. I mean, if you guys are looking for realism, uh, Planet Terror is really good. That's that's the one with the the girl that's got a, an AR for uh, uh, <laughs> lights, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah something realistic. like that. I don't even I don't even watch. I own that movie. <laughs> you do not. I did. <laughs> I was on a Quentin Tarantino kick for a while, but uh, yeah, oh, and that I movie's love, terrible. <laughs> I love everything by Quentin, but no, I have not watched that one. Yeah. All right. Next one. Sure. All right, go for it. Uh, from Hillbilly. Hey, fellas. Just finished your last show. It just keeps getting better. Age Rule is a great addition and fits in very well with the format. I've been listening to some other podcasts that are recommended on your show, and none of them come close to the quality and professionalism of Slamfire. Wow. For real? For real? I don't think he's listening to that many then. He, <laughs> weird. I, huh. Hmm. All right. Uh, now that the original two are sounding very pro, someone is going to have to fix Adriel's mic. It almost sounds as bad as Trevor used to. Hope yes. someone will step up and sponsor him. So I found like it's Adriel needs a mic for Christmas. There you go. Uh, I found myself screaming at my radio as I listened to CBC phone-in show last Sunday. The fact that they had one-sided guests on the show is pretty bad journalism. Are they not trained to balance both sides? It is clear that no one on the production team has any familiarity with firearms. This Atlantic radio show did not, uh, did not do our sport any justice at all. Even if it kills Matthew, sorry bud, I really dig the archery component as I have a toe in that sport as well. More, more clay sports, please. Keep up the great shows. Slamfire is at the very top of the list. Regards, Hillbilly. What's a clay sport? I don't know. It's it's like when you're doing claymation, maybe like yeah. with Rudolph and Philp's head just exploded. <laughs> shooting skeets and uh, shooting throwing skeets. clay pigeons out. And well, thanks yeah. for the kind words. It must be the Christmas season. Must be. Must have been into that eggnog already. Good for you, <laughs> Adriel. You got Sean's. You bet. Hi guys. Just finished up the latest episode. 
I think I heard tell of a pistol course in Regina. Sign me up. I actually wanted to go to the one in Alberta, but I would need to take extra holidays at work. If you guys come to Regina, I'm coming. Haven't got my permission slip for the FNH FNS yet, so I haven't had a chance to shoot it. I uh, got it for my Norinco 1911, however, so I took it out to the range this week. I actually like the ergonomics of it a lot, but it is heavy, the grip safety is redundant and annoying, and the slide doesn't so much slide as sways down the rails like a drunken groomsman at a wedding dance. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I jump in here for a second? Yep. Is he's A, not only complaining about a 1911, he's B, complaining about a Norinco 1911, so C, I told you so. Or as Ricky would say, total soap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tight action, it is not. But uh, that's why they work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, as to reliability. I walked up to seven yards and got some decent groups for the 230 bucks I paid. I'll keep it around to play with. I did get zero malfunctions in it in the first 100 rounds. As requested, I give one thumb up. Keep up the good Ooh, work. 69. Let me know. That makes 69. Remember, I asked for one thumb so we could get to 69. <laughs> uh, keep up the good work and let me know when you guys come to Regina. Now, Sean from Saskatchewan. You know, the unfortunate part is we've got a thumb on uh, CGN as well. Oh, so we're at Just 70 now. They were going to give us two, and instead they gave us one. So we got to tell people so, to stop doing that now. We want it back to two. Back to the twos, yeah. We need yeah, back to, we need so we had our 69. Now we're at 70. Back to twos. Yeah. yeah. So this particular <laughs> Sean... Sean is actually the one who's helped trying to help coordinate a uh, a gun class for us out there. So cool. thanks to him for that. He's working behind the scene. He's he's our people. When our people talk to the to, to your people, he's the the people. He's the people. He's the people. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this next one comes to us from Mark, and Mark says, "Hey guys, I heard rumblings of Trevor and Matthew doing a handgun course in Regina next year. Uh, that one would be a distinct possibility for me." Manitoba would be even better, though. Manitoba. <laughs> Toba. Um, still on the subject of training. Trevor, do you know if the CCFR has any plans to develop any kind of training program similar to the way the NRA does in the States? Keep up the good work. I look forward to each new show. Mark. Mark, nothing is, nothing's off the table. Having our own certification course for range safety officers where we train and recognize range safety officers to run firing lines at uh, gun clubs is going to be something that we're looking at and training instructors to become certified instructors is also something that I'm sure we're I'm not saying we are but it's something I'm sure we're definitely going to be looking at and because I want to either help develop the curriculum or become one of the uh, master learning facilitators or something because it's an interest of mine. I'm definitely going to push for these things, um, both developing our own RO course and you can become a NRA firearms instructor. And it's very, very simple. We'll probably get our hands on their program and take what we like, drop what we don't like and develop our own based off of that. Well, look, we've been firing firearms since the 1500s. We've been shooting bows and arrows since well before that. None of this stuff is new. There's no need to reinvent anything. So whatever we can steal from other people and make our own, we probably will. So stand by. It's all coming. Makes cool. sense? Huh? Makes sense? Sure. Makes sense to me. Yep. All right. Just It's just a, a matter of time. And to those of you that are wondering where your membership card is, it's in the mail. <laughs> yeah, Good answer. Got, where in the mail I, is it? I got mine this week. Did you guys get yours this week? Not yet. 
No. Hmm. You're waiting for them, though, right? Because you joined? Yes. Yep. <laughs> That's a... <laughs> I will. Guess what I just, my membership number is. I joined. I know. Th- uh, let me guess. Is it 357? It is. That's Good awesome. Yeah. yeah. Or I saw it on Facebook. One or yeah, the other. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yours should be along very shortly in the Adriel. But like I told somebody the other day, just because your card hasn't arrived doesn't mean you're not a fully fledged paid member. It's just, you know, once you once we have your money, you're, you're a member. member. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One way or the all, other. Yeah. No, you're, you're a member. And if you bought the insurance, you're insured, whether you got the card in the wallet or not. Everybody's a volunteer. They've got full-time jobs. There's nobody being paid to run the CCFR yet. So things are getting done as quickly as, as humanly possible. we got a board meeting coming up, as a matter of fact, on Tuesday. Awesome. All right, so I'll bring this next one from Brian. The Conquistador. He says, Ken and I discussed your show and decided on the following. He gives you two thumbs up. I give you one thumb down. The net is one thumb up. <laughs> we, really? decided, we decided that American thumbs are trading at par, so don't hurt your head with the math. So I think he was trying to just give us our one thumb up that we wanted. Mm-hmm. But um, now that we have it and have passed it, now you're just rude for giving us a thumbs down. So, it's Brian. It's Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever known, to, known him to not be rude? Uh, yeah, he's been nice to me a few times. Really? I hung up on him today. Yeah, it sounds about right. So he, he, he signs off the Conquistador, also known as Brian Bolivar, co-host Modern Rifleman Radio. P.S. Ken actually had no part of this. You know how I know that Ken had no part of this? <laughs> how? Every second word in the email wasn't, um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> love you, Ken. Ken, so that's uh, Trevor Furlot at Ken gmail.com. Ken have a part of this, and uh, he gave us a two thumbs up, and Brian really did give us... Are we negative one from, from Brian's review here? Yeah, technically, if, if Ken had no show... Yeah, so we're actually back down to 69 from 70. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Oh, thanks, thanks Brian. Brian. Didn't know you helped, but you did. Jerk. <laughs> oh, wait, was it a good thing? Yes, it ends up being a good thing. Not true. Because you wanted it to be a 69. Fine. Yep. <laughs> That's, yes, I did. Um, who's got Garth? I got I believe Garth. It, oh. All right. Hey, guys, I know you're busy, so I'll be brief-ish. I have que- uh, a questions for all four of you so that no one feels left out. Trevor, my partner and I are interested in getting into archery. Nothing serious, just some fun plinking in her backyard. We don't really, uh, we don't need any hot rod of a bow, just the archery equivalent of a Marlin 795 or a 1022. Do you have any suggestions on makes or models we should look for? Yes, just go, go to a local archery shop and get a economical recurve bow, something like a Victory. See if there's still a Victory on the market. It's, uh, all wood, but it's a takedown. The limbs come off. It's recurve style. You can shoot it with your fingers. You can put a sight on it. You can put an arrow rest on it. So you'll have the accuracy of a sight and the accuracy of an arrow rest. But you're shooting with fingers, so you don't need any fancy mechanical release aids. You don't need all the pulleys and stuff. And you'll have a lot of fun with this, especially if you just want to plink in the backyard. It's more accurate than going with a straight-up longbow because it's got a little bit of... You can add a sight to it and you can add an arrow rest to it and still have a lot of fun without getting into the high-end stuff. So look for something like a victory takedown cool uh the next one here's from matthew we're looking to get a good starter 22 scope i've never bought a scope in my life and would like some tips on what to look for it will be going on my anschutz match 54 for now the peep sights that are on it uh, now work okay but anything further than 50 meters and the groups start to really open up the scope will just be for the range fun uh, until we get a semi-auto 22 in the new year 
Okay, well, if you're looking for a good starter 22 scope and it's going to eventually end up on a semi-auto 22, not uh, not going to remain on your Anschutz, I would actually recommend the scope we were talking about earlier, the Bushnell 2-7x32 AR-22. That's the name of it. It's AR-22, not the AR-223. Um, it has a ballistic drop reticle uh, so that you don't have to worry about adjusting uh, your turrets for different ranges. You can set it up just the way uh, you want it. Um, you can also adjust it. They are finger adjustable turrets, so it's uh, it works very well that way. And it actually does come in a number of different magnifications. So if you don't want the 2 to 7, that's my personal favorite, you get a 3 to 9 um, if, if that's something that you'd be uh, more apt to, to shoot. So, yeah, I think the Bushnell is a great, great scope. Uh, they're not terribly expensive, and they work very, very well. Matthew, 50 millimeter or uh, 50 meter objective? Or 50, the focal point, whatever? Uh, if I am not mistaken, and I may be, so I'm going to actually grab it because it's here within arm's reach, I think it has an adjustable objective. And oh, I am correct. Really? It is adjustable objective. So oh, I mean, you can dial that in for whatever range you're shooting at, uh, and uh, you'll always a, be right on target. That's a significant advantage over the Nikon because Nikon makes a line of scopes very similar. The M22 has everything you listed. But not an, adjust- an adjustable objective. It's it's the objective is set to fifty. So hmm. yeah, nod to the Bushnell. I concur. Yep. Uh, the next one here is for me. Hey, new guy, Frosty, and all the other nicknames you've gotten. You're doing a great job fitting in with the, these crazies. I mean, these very fine gentlemen. As you are the hunting gear guy, I have some hunting gear questions for you. I plan to start hunting some upland game birds next season. And I'm curious what three pieces of kit you would say are a must-have for when I begin. I'm still undecided as to which firearm I'll be getting. Pump guns are most cost-effective, but I do like the option of a faster follow-up shot with a semi-auto. What say you? Um, I, I guess it depends on, on what kind of upland game birds you're planning on hunting. Like, I do grouse, and uh, I'm just as happy with, uh, like, I've got a one, uh, 177 pellet gun pistol uh, that I use some of the time for that. What, 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 uh, sorry to, to stray off topic here, but I didn't know you had something like, what do you got? Uh, just like a super old Crossman CO2 power. Like a 1372 shot. kind of thing? Oh, oh it's an 8 shot, one of the revolvers. Yeah, it's, oh. it's, uh, it's got the little revolving plastic deal yeah, yeah, inside yeah. of it. They're actually and, quite uh, accurate for what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the ten feet or something like that. It's it's going to be a headshot. So absolutely, uh, I use I use that. I use twenty twos. I have I've used shotguns on up up upland uh, game bird. I don't like chewing uh, shot. So no, I don't. I don't yeah. like using it a lot. But, take the uh, head off. <laughs> take the head off. One one of the other options that you might that you didn't list here um, that you might want to look into, especially if you're looking at doing clays, is an over under. And I know that uh, a lot of the new over unders are expensive, but Tradex. Um, I'm not sure if they have that many now, but they had a whole pile of used over unders from Europe, and uh, they're right in the two to three hundred dollar range. And that's gonna that's gonna give you a nice fast follow up shot, and it's also gonna be like a, a real wicked shotgun for uh, for busting up clays. So um, you might want to look into those, because uh, yeah, you can get one of those for really cheap, and that gives you a fast follow up shot. And to get us a, 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 like a good quality semi auto shotgun uh, that's reliable, you're gonna be paying uh, quite a bit more. Yeah, into, into um, the thousands almost for a lot of them. I, yeah. I would I would highly second an, an over under. Uh, not only is it for all the reasons Adriel just listed, but just because it's so classic just to walk through the, the woods hunting with something like that. It's just, 
I don't know. Just something. There's just something right about hunting up upland bird with uh, an over under double barrel shotgun. Yeah, it's it's really nice. Just uh, you know, they they break in the middle and and putting it over your shoulder is like if you're done hunting and you're just walking back, just popping it over your shoulder or or over your arm as you're walking along. There's a lot of really comfortable carry options with them that you don't get with uh, with uh, other shotguns, right? So that's right. Yep. Um, it's it's kind of nice and comfortable. A pistol grip shotgun with a single point sling. It's not very classic. It works. <laughs> it's great. It works, and I've done it. You um, hunted with me. I'm walking there through the woods like I'm in Nam. That's right, and it does work. But if you're if you're going for that sort of nostalgic kind of I'm out in the back forty hunting birds, you know, back mm. in the day, and, and over we're under, not, we're not back in the day. Yeah, but some people like to go to museums and be bored. That's right. Okay. Other pieces of kit, though, other than a shotgun or a, a twenty-two or a pistol, like I don't practical vest, a vest that you can put your vest? game in the back of, like a hunting vest with a pouch. I have one. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Uh, we shot a rabbit in thirty seconds. I'm like, oh, we didn't bring a bag, and and muffins like, dude, look at my vest. So his his hunting vest has a pocket built in. So we just like we stuffed this thing. Well, you know what? We stopped hunting. There was no more room in the vest. Nobody <laughs> wants to carry a rabbit. So. That's something yeah. like buy a hunting vest that's got a game pouch built in. I've never heard of that. So it's like an expandable pouch that you throw. Yeah, like, yeah basically you have two backs. You gotta wash it out. It's like two backs. Yeah. No, no. Wash see, I carry Ziplocs with me it. too. So you clean it. You you clean the animal, stuff it in a Ziploc, and shove it in your back, and you never have to wash your vest. Yeah, and my dad had this old um, plaid. He used, it was his hunting coat. That's all he wore it for was for hunting, and it had a zipper up the side, and you could stuff game into that too with your vest on over top of it. I just use a rope, just a rope and tie out the feet. And just, or, and just drag it shoulder. behind you. Just drag it, tie it to your ankle. Other pieces of kit you guys would recommend? Like I'm, this is this is the easiest hunting I do. If I if I go hunting grouse, I, I grab a gun and I kind of walk out the back door and I, I got to go I, look for them. I, I throw a fanny pack on, like a camel fanny pack made by uh, Primos or something like that. Every time I leave, and it's got my GPS and my matches. Like in Nova Scotia, you're not allowed to go in the woods without a compass or or matches. Really? Yeah, it's huh. in the hunting guide. Used to be anyway. Uh, hmm. When I went deer hunting down there, my guide was like, "Where's your matches? Where's your compass? You're not allowed in the woods without them." Oh, great, I got a compass. Never used it since I was a 12 year old Boy Scout, but okay. But you got one. Yeah. If you have to, you can break it open and drink the liquid inside. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> The strange survival tips by Matthew. <laughs> Short survival. <laughs> uh, okay, this last one here is for Owen. Lastly, Owen, we miss you, buddy. My question for you is gardening related. You're going to um, get some Owen later. Trust us. <laughs> I'm planning my garden for next year, and I would like to add calm free to the homestead. Well, this uh, is I his re- fault. I recall. I seem to recall you may have had some experience with it. If so, where did you find your cuttings, and what beginner tips? Would you have for someone who has never grown and cultivated it before? Oh, I thought we were talking comfrey, like the the buy a house comfrey, no, like no, the no. MLS comfrey. Rub some comfrey. Oh, on. I That's see. Owen's Owen's answer for everything. Rub some comfrey on it. I see. I lost uh, term. Rub some comfrey on it. <laughs> Can't Go balance back. my checkbook. Rub some comfrey on it. <laughs> uh, hope you and your family are doing well, and you have a great winter season. <laughs> Uh, thank you all for taking the time to read. Oh, oh Owen didn't oh. reply yet. Okay, you're gonna you got to let Owen here. reply. All right, here, here he goes. Okay. Hello, everybody. 
and this is Owen here answering Garth's question about Comfrey. Comfrey, 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 just because I know everyone on this show, as far as hosts, love this topic. So, I will try to be as brief as possible, though that may be difficult. Uh, I'm going to start out with a quick explanation for those who are not familiar with this wonderful plant. Comfrey is one of my favorites. It is an amazing perennial. That's it, folks. You heard it here. It's in a perennial. Oh, that was one easy. of his favorites. His yeah. other one's marijuana. But, yeah, uh, but uh, definitely it's Comfrey. a perennial. Yeah. So they, 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 I, hope, I hope that answered all of your questions. Comfrey Thank is a you. perennial. What else do you need yeah. to know? Rub yeah. some comfrey yeah. on it. Just Yeah. And it's a perennial. Apparently. So apparently. Excellent. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Garth continues. Thank you all for taking the time to read and answer my questions. We the listeners really appreciate what you do for the Canadian firearms community as well as the many charities you contribute to. Keep up the great work, Garth. PS Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Joyous Solstice to you and your families. However you wish to celebrate this season, I hope it finds you all happy and surrounded by love. Aw. Oh, and happy Festivus nice. to you. Happy Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> well, because you signed off so nicely, I'm actually going to include the rest of Owen's audio as an outtake. It's not an outtake, but it'll be as a PS on the end Bonus of the show. Footage. Bonus audio. Um, right. Garth, I have a feeling you're going to be the only one listening to it, and that's why it's going there. <laughs> yeah. So for the rest of you, it's 16 minutes long. About so, Comfrey. I don't know yeah. how he can talk for 16 minutes about a plant and not repeat himself at least 16 times. Oh, man. So, yeah, after the music's done, you can shut it off unless you want to listen to Comfrey talk. For 16 Com- minutes. Com- and he Com- said he Com- hurried, and he said he kept it brief. So yeah. I do not so want to know how complicated of a plant Comfrey is, if, if he could go on for hours about it. Moving on. Man. All right. If you would like to email the show, Send it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. We should just start handing out Owen's email. People want to hear more about Comfrey. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's what everyone's going to email him about yeah. us next week. Yeah, c- could you play the rest of that audio? No. Want to hear more about Comfrey? No, they don't. <laughs> email Owen at comfrey at gmail.com. Comfrey at comfrey.com. <laughs> comfrey at comfrey.com. My email's um, not working. Rub some comfrey on it. <laughs> We have no iTunes iTunes reviews this week, and thank you to Stacy for checking for us. I was at work. I don't have iTunes at work. Not that I do show notes at work. But no, of course not. I had my work computer turned on. There you go. There anyway, you. thanks to Stacy for, yeah, you know, we made fun. Oh, they all need Stacy to check their iTunes. I'm like, Stacy, are you busy? You're not busy. Could you check our iTunes, please? So she's like, all right, I'll do it, but no more jokes about me checking iTunes. Too late. And guess what she had just done? Checked iTunes? Yeah, for two other shows. Right. <laughs> God love her. So we're not paying her, though. That's no. squirrels. That's not our problem. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, we do need um, for you to leave us like we, we do. We need you to leave need. us five stars. Need is the you. correct word need, there. Yeah. It is a need. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Make it funny or not. Regardless, we'll read it on the show. We even read a four-star on the show. We did. It did get upgraded to a five-star, though. Yep, it did. So, I followed his instructions, and yep. it uh, it migrated into a uh, a five star. Basically, what we're saying is here, we can be bought. We can't. Totally, I am the <laughs> corporate scarlet of the night. Yeah, but for for five star reviews, we will do almost anything. Almost, and then some. Yeah, the list of things I won't do for a five star review are quite short. <laughs> 
Thank you to those who have left us those reviews. We really appreciate it. They help the show get noticed because it pushes us up the ranks on iTunes. Yeah. So. Gentlemen, I can tell by the show notes you don't have any iTunes review or shout outs. Well, I have one for to Joe Goose for offering to take me coyote hunting. No, that was me. He did Are you not sure? Off- yeah, but he would. Adriel, take- you had one too, didn't you? I got one. Yeah. Uh, Bolvar, uh, thanks for the grip frame. Perfect. You so, guys, Trevor, do you have any shout outs? You guys are dinks. <laughs> Please join one of our national firearms associations, one or one or both, one or all. We don't care. I haven't decided how I'm going to phrase this yet. But, uh, yeah, join, join one or all of our national firearms associations, such as the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Sports or the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. It's important to support those who support us. So the Canadian What's Firearms S- Sports? Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. You said sports. There we go. Yeah. Well, because I was reading that while looking at the Canadian. Right. I just wanted to make sure that, that, yeah. yeah you you as make sure a, that you know. I can say the name of the association I work for? Yeah, I just, that's basically where <laughs> Thanks, I was. Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Look, I could have left it, and I would you not have edited it out. You could have, but yeah. uh, this is funnier this way. Oh, it certainly is. <laughs> Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. Say hi to Chris, because, you know, he's over there supporting us every time. And uh, like us on Facebook, we're at uh, 1,321. And we're at, is, is this uh, is this thumb up now? Is this oh, current? It, no, it should be. It sh- there we go. That's what it should be. Oh, right. Right. 69! Thumbs up and counting. Thanks yeah. to Brian for dropping, losing one for us. We would have yeah. been at 70, but thank you, Brian. Do that math to, to figure it out. Get yeah, that he, minus he, one. He um, counterfeited some of Ken's thumbs is what happened there. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> That's all we got for this week, kids. Thank you very much for listening. We wish, on behalf of Slamfire Radio, uh, a very happy Merry Christmas to you and yours, or Hanukkah, or Festivus, or whatever. It is the holiday season, so be well, be happy, be safe. And uh, we'll be back in the new year. It looks like uh, the 7th will be our next show back, so two weeks off. Yep. So So we don't normally do this. We normally only take one week, but because... Our recording night is Thursday, and Christmas Eve is Thursday, and New Year's Eve is Thursday. Yeah, that's just not going to happen this year, folks. Oh, we'll we still be get paid, together. though, right? We still get we paid, yes. yes. I mean, you and I will be together. You and I will be together New Year's Eve. That's right. And Filthy will be there. That wasn't a secret? Oh, because we didn't invite Adriel? I yeah. Just, I figured he wasn't going to come. <laughs> Adriel, party at my place, New Year's Eve. You're invited. <laughs> Filthy will be there, another fan. Flights. Yeah, Plus yeah. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, fine. but anyway, I will pick you up. Just kidding, you're not invited. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, everybody, be safe, be happy, and uh, we'll see you in the new year. So, if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now, go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over. Time to get a gun. <laughs> and now, it's Calm Free Radio with your host, the Flewelling. Hello, everybody. And this is Owen here answering Garth's question about Calm Free. Calm Free, Calm Free, Calm Free. Just because I know everyone on this show, as far as hosts, love this topic. So, I will try to be as brief as possible, though that may be difficult. 
Uh, I'm going to start out with a quick explanation for those who are not familiar with this wonderful plant. Comfrey is one of my favorites. It is an amazing perennial. Uh, I'll start out with what it looks like. It's, 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 it has leaves and it's green. No. Um, it, it, it starts out when it's fairly young, uh, with fairly broad, long leaves that kind of look like a little bush on the ground, leafy bush. And then it has a sort of a center stalk that, that grows up with leaves that come off of it. It has most of the varieties, I believe, have purples, kind of small purple flowers. Um, it's actually quite pretty. Um, and it can be cut back several times a year. So depending on how much you use it, uh, will depend on kind of what it looks like. Um, it is an amazing, uh, dynamic accumulator. So if you may be familiar with nitrogen fixers, so those are like beans, uh, legumes would all be nitrogen fixers and they have these little, uh, nodules that fix the nitrogen into the soil, um, that they gather out of, you know, the air. And, but comfrey doesn't do it that. It's what's called a dynamic accumulator. So it um, has a very deep tap root, and it pulls a lot of nutrients up out of the ground deeper uh, from deeper than most plants would be able to get at. Uh, and so it's very useful that way, especially pulling up things like potassium and phosphorus, because those are a little bit harder for plants to get at. Um, so there's different varieties, I guess. They're called balkings with comfrey, and I believe there's 21. I could be wrong about that, but I think there's 21. Anyway, your 4, 14, and 21 seem to be the common ones. 4 and 14, I think, are being uh, most common. Uh, also known as Russian comfrey. Um, and that's pretty much what you want. The reason you want those is that um, they are sterile plants. In other words, they can't reproduce from seed because this is a very prolific plant. It, and we'll talk about this a bit later, it will go crazy if you're not careful with it. You don't want something that's just going to spread every time, every season, you know, that it has seeds. And that, yeah, that would be very difficult to control. So you don't want um, anything that, that reproduces from seed. These are, they're a hybrid comfrey and so they will reproduce from root cuttings and such but not from um, seed so that's kind of what you're what you're looking for um, so that sort of leads us into our cautions where you plant it is a big caution because you don't want to plant this anywhere that you do not plan on having it forever uh, it is it is virtually impossible to kill I guess you could technically kill it by shading it out with some and, you know, another perennial that was very aggressive. Um, but, yeah, just be cautious where you plant it. If you, depending on what you're using it for, is going to make a difference on where you're going to want to plant it. I would never put it in an annual garden. I would never plant it anywhere that I'm going to till near because it, all those little root fibers and cuttings that you might chop while tilling will just produce another plant. And uh, so it's it's... Yeah, I, w I would put it in a perennial bed or in an area where you can, you know, kind of put it in the ground and be okay with it staying there and then pick the leaves off of it and use them for various purposes. Um, also, comfrey is something you can eat, and but there is a caution against ingesting it. Um, it, it, it 
does contain alkaloids, which are a chemical that is very hard on the liver. Now, um, the USDA, uh, the USDA is this, some of some organization in the states anyway has basically declared it illegal to ingest comfrey. Uh, kind of ridiculous to me that you know they would try and ban a person consuming something. But anyway, um, if you figure it all out, it's a significant amount you have to eat. It's not like you just take a bite of this stuff and you'd be dead. It's you're, you know we're talking. 60 pounds a day for a couple weeks is what you'd have to ingest. You know, it's, it's a significant amount of, of comfort you'd have to eat. So it's not something you really have to, to be concerned with, um, at all. But I throw it out there just because, it, you know, it is something that you may see, you know, on the internet or whatever. Um, moving on to its uses, uh, comfrey tea. So you make a, you can, you can pick the leaves. Also, the best time to, to pick the leaves is right before it flowers. That's when they're, they're most potent and, and, and at their best. So you would pick the leaves. You would, um, you could apply them directly, uh, to the ground, uh, or you can put them in a five gallon pail and fill it with water and then let it sit and essentially rot for a couple weeks. And it is rank. Oh, it is nasty, nasty stuff, but you've made an extremely potent, um, tea right there and then so you have to dilute it down if you put that on your plants you will kill them um just because there's too much nutrient in it um water it down um probably f- i don't know 40 to f- 40 to 1 i think is what i do uh i can't remember now but it's yeah it's it's uh 10 to 1 maybe 20 to 1 then you you want to water it down anywhere from 20 to 1 to 40 to 1 i would say and um yeah, then once you've done that, then you can then apply that to your garden or plants or wherever you're trying to enhance your soil. Um, medicinal salves, excellent. The literal translation of comfrey is bone knit. It's excellent for broken bones, sprains, uh, you know, bone bruises, any kind of abrasions or skin disorders. It's really good for skin. Um, back last winter, I had a, almost a year ago now, I had a, uh, I was pretty sick and I had a serious cases, uh, reaction to some medication and I broke out in full body hives. And I say full body, I mean full body. And comfrey salve was the only thing that would treat it, that would make the itchiness go away and actually healed my skin, you know. Um, areas I didn't put it on took, took weeks and weeks and weeks to, before they, you know, would heal up. But the areas I put the comfrey salve on, no problem. Within, you know, a week, it was, it was done. So I was very impressed with that. Um, I won't go into how to make salves. That's something, you know, that can be looked up on the internet. Uh, comfrey, because it is a very bushy plant and it tends to get, the older it gets, the bigger and bushier it gets. Uh, there's a lot of mulch. There's a lot of biomass in a comfrey plant. So because of that, it makes a really good green mulch, a living mulch. And, because of the nutrients that are that are stored in those leaves, if you chop it and drop it, in other words, chop it and let it, you know, let the pieces lay, all those nutrients are going into the soil as well. Um, so it's really, really good for that. And and this is sort of the application I use for my fruit trees. So fruit trees really love comfrey because they have so much potassium and phosphates in them. And the and the uh, fruit trees, anything that bears fruit like that really needs the 
those two ingredients. They need nitrogen, yes, but nitrogen often gives you green, and uh, potassium and phosphorus give you the um, you know the fruit. That's what helps the fruit develop. <clears throat> so, yeah, adding as a mulch. So I plant the comfrey around my my fruit trees, and then you can two or three times a year, depending on your climate where you live, how long your growing season in is go out and chop that. And you can chop it right down to the ground to nothing. And it'll come right back. And then you let it get up and get it to the point where it's almost flowering again and it's, you know, big and beautiful. And then you just chop it all down again. <laughs> and I actually use a whippersnipper to take a whippersnipper and just mow it right down from the top down. <clears throat> Spread it all around. It helps, you know, with weed suppression uh, and all that. Plus you're adding all those nutrients back into the soil, like a green compost. Uh, it can be used as a compost activator. I've never used it for that. Um, but because it is has so much nitrogen in it, it, it's great for you know adding your compost, getting it you know heated up and really cooking. I would caution: use the leaves only. Try not to get any of the stalks or the roots or anything because it will again propagate in your compost. And then when you spread your compost in your garden, then you have it all over the place. Uh, animal fodder: animals will eat comfrey uh, in small amounts. Tend to probably just give them what they want. Don't. You know, I wouldn't make it a major part of uh, of your feeding, but it, you know, they will eat it. They will, you know, gra- uh, uh, graze on it and just kind of browse through. I I do know, not from my own personal experience, but from what I've heard and read, that geese love comfrey, and they'll go in and just knock it right down and and you know, go like crazy on it. Um, but but just let them pick and choose what they want of it because again, because of the alkaloids in it. Uh, when to harvest, we already talked a little bit about that. Uh, basically, as much of it as you want and before the flowers come. And even if it's after the flowers, you know, that's fine. It just might not be quite as potent. Um, so now this is getting more to your original question, where to find it. You can get it wild. Um, again, the caution, that's the, the uh, symptom officinal. And that's the stuff that has the... Um, that, that reproduces by seed. So that if you know where there's a patch of this stuff wild or you find it, then you may want to just harvest the leaves from there and not bring any of those plants home. That would be one way of doing it. You may find local growers um, or um, greenhouses and things like that. They may sell it as a flower even. Um, like I say, it does have the purple flowers and it's quite pretty. Online, I do know you can buy uh, root cuttings online, on eBay even, and you know, there's different places that that specialize in selling comfrey um if you're interested i will sell you comfrey i will send you comfrey for free and uh you know and cover the shipping or whatever if you want but in the spring which likely is the only time you're going to be planting at this point anyway um i uh you just send me an email or get hold of the show or whatever and remind me and i will I'll be doing a bunch of propagating uh, some more plants for myself in the spring, and I will send you a whole bunch of root cuttings, and you can plant those to your heart's content. As far as propagation, it's dead easy. Once you have a few plants, you're set for life, essentially. Um, take the... Uh, you would take the... So you dig up the plant. If you have a plant there, a whole a live plant, you dig it up, and you'll see all these kind of major branches, a taproot and major branches coming off. You can take those and cut those back, those those um, branches three or four inches long, or even half that. You know, it's it's somewhere in that area, two to four, and just plant them horizontally, so not not vertically, 
like a normal tap root would go, but horizontally, uh, about an inch deep. And you will, within a few weeks, you know, keep it not wet, but, you know, moist, just as if any other thing you were trying to, trying to grow. And you will find that one end of the, uh, that root cutting will, if you were to dig it up and look, will be sprouting a plant. And then off the bottom of that whole piece of root, all these little roots will be coming off going down. And, um, you'll have a beautiful plant. If you do that in the spring, in a, even in a pot, You'll have a beautiful plant by the end of the summer, um, and by the next year, you should be able to go right at it. You may even be able to harvest it that summer. Um, I planted a whole bunch down at the bottom swale uh, on part of my property next to the woods, and it was pretty rough and kind of wet, and uh, grasses growing in it and everything else. And I said, ah, I had done a bunch of propagating. And I said, I'm going to try this. So I, I went down, I took a bunch of root cuttings, and I just walked along, pulled back some dirt, stuck it in, flopped the dirt back over. You know, like I wasn't being careful. I don't know. I probably put, I don't know, 18 plants in or something like that. And I said, I don't think any of those are going to come, but you know, whatever. It is what it is. They didn't cost me anything, the, the, the root cuttings. And I went back later that summer and every single one of them came. Um, uh, and then what I, the plants I had taken the root cuttings off, they were just a bunch of leaves and these little balls of root in the end. And it was like, nothing left of them. I was like, man, I was just going to throw them in the, throw them away, throw them in the woods. And I said, you know, why not just see what these, this does? So I went to my fruit trees and I stuck two on for each fruit tree, one on either side. And I said, and again, I just spade into the, into the sod, flipped the sod back, stuck the root in, flipped the sod back over top of it. Like I didn't even, you know, like prepare the dirt or do, I didn't do anything. I just stuck them in. I think all of them except one came. So, I mean, this stuff is, is really hard to kill. Uh, you need to, like, it's great for that. Um, it has a lot of uses, uh, especially as mulch and fertilizer. And what better way to fertilize than something you're growing right on your property? You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's permaculture in essence right there to produce your own fertilizer on property. Uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty big savings and, uh, uh, very part of a permaculture style system. I uh, don't know what you're exactly you're doing, but I definitely think that comfrey is right for you, even if you just use it for that and, and not for any of the medicinal purposes or, or animal fodder. Anyway, I hope that's answered your question. Um, like I say, drop me a line, you know, on Facebook or on by email or on the Warriors Ethos Facebook page um, somehow, and I will send you some some comfrey root cuttings in the spring. Hope that answers your question. Um, thank you guys for playing this on the show. I will, uh, talk to you later.